Stop the presses, guys. It's two weeks in a row with a Big Apple Buckets podcast coming off a Knicks win. We break down a blowout victory over the Cavs and where the team stands just a few weeks before the trade deadline with Knicks beat writer Mark Berman. Also, we are pumped to be joined by a Nick that helped turn the franchise around in 2010 when he arrived at the Garden. Fan favorite Amari Stoudemire. All that and more next on Big Apple Buckets with the New York Post. Welcome to Big Apple Buckets, a New York Post, New York Knicks podcast. I'm your host, Kazim Famiwide, a.k.a. Kaz. Follow me on all my socials on Instagram, Twitter, at Kazim, K-A-Z-E-E-M. New episodes drop each and every Tuesday as we dive into everything Knicks and chat with special guests. Hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, all those good places. Also, go out of your way to rate us five stars and write a nice review because we love the feedback here. Mark Berman and Amari Stoudemire will be joining the show today. So let's talk about those New York Knickerbockers. Yeah, it's rare, very rare, but a happy day to be a Knicks fan because the Knicks are coming off a very rare blowout win against the Cleveland Cavaliers on Monday on Martin Luther King Day. They won 106 to 86 behind a struggling Cavs team. But for all those Knicks fans that have been struggling through this entire doldrum of a season, I have good news for you. The Knicks are only seven games, that's right, seven games behind the Brooklyn Nets for the eighth and final seed in the playoff picture. They've lost four straight, lost seven straight prior to that, and the Nets are 2-11 and since Christmas. Now, last night, the Knicks had a very balanced attack between Julius Randle and Marcus Morris, even though Marcus Morris went out with a, a slight ankle sprain after the game, and we don't know his status for the Lakers game on Wednesday, the Knicks and their vets that they signed in the offseason to all those flexible contracts looked pretty decent. So, I mean, if you're looking for any sort of positives to take away from the season, not only are these guys looking a little better playing together against Mike Miller, but these veteran guys with flexible contracts, if you're one of those folks that love firing up the ESPN trade machine, are building up their trade value. I mean, Marcus Morris is probably the most tradable asset that the Knicks have. I know a lot of, um, I know firsthand, a lot of contenders could absolutely use Marcus Morris's leadership, defensive ability, three-point shooting, toughness. You know, he seems like the perfect piece for a lot of these teams that are about, you know, one piece away from being a legitimate championship contender. And uh, in that case, you know, the Knicks can get back some great stuff for the future. Now, on the other side of that Knicks victory, uh, again, the New York Knicks kids, the Fizz kids, as they were once affectionately called, aren't necessarily seeing that much playing time. I mean, Kevin Knox only had about five points. I think Mitch Robinson had two points, even though he had a great defensive game. Frank Nielakina has been up and down, and R.J. Barrett is out with that sprained ankle. Um, it's been a, it's been a weird mixed bag for the Knicks, uh, ever since the turn of the year, uh, they have been playing better, but they aren't necessarily any closer to being relevant in the NBA landscape. And that's just the truth of the matter. Um, the Knicks could absolutely make a playoff push and make it interesting if they go on a little hot streak and there's still time to do that before the all-star break, before the trade deadline, before the, the flowers stop blooming in the springtime, there's absolutely a chance that the Knicks 
can make a, a legitimate push for the playoffs. How likely is that, though? I don't see it happen, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, there just seems to be so many things happening with this organization that I don't even think pushing for the playoffs would benefit them in the long term. I understand that you want to create a chemistry and create a culture. And obviously, if you want to do that, you don't get rid of guys like Marcus Morris, who are not just good character guys, but net positives when they're on the court. Uh, but it's it's been rough. It's been a rough season for the Knicks. It's been a rough decade and a half for the Knicks. And, uh, you know, obviously we'll talk to a guy later today that had a big uh, – he, he was a big part of giving the Knicks relevancy in the last decade in Amari Stoudemire. But, uh, but Jake, man, I mean, it's uh, what can we say? What can we say about these Knicks going into uh, the Garden against LeBron James this Wednesday night? You know, the Lakers lost their last game against Boston on national TV. I mean, and LeBron always knows how to put on a show when he's in Madison Square Garden. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think the Lakers are coming for revenge. I mean, they got the doors handed to them. Uh, on the other night against the Celtics, I think they are going to dismantle the Knicks in front of a crowd that is going to be much more Laker fans than Knicks fans. I mean, we know everyone comes out to see LeBron. He gets a crowd wherever he goes. And I said it, I've said it a couple shows, it's been like the tourist square garden this year. I mean, both arenas in New York have been more away fans and tourists than home fans. And Kyrie being out, KD being out hurts the Nets. And with the Knicks, them being garbage hurts. It's been a lot of losses and... Uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a Lakers dismantling, but like like you talked about before, Kaz, with the trade deadline, it's really these seven games ahead leading to the deadline. Lakers, Raptors, Nets, Hornets, Grizzlies, Pacers, Cavs. You have four games against under 500 teams there, and this stretch determines what they are. We think they're sellers, but if they somehow go 6-1 and one and they're 4 or 5 out before the deadline, they might play it differently with Morris and Randall and company. Yeah, man, I agree. I mean, uh, to your earlier point about the Knicks being a tourist square garden now, I mean, just look at that roster. I mean, if, 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 you're, if you're a casual NBA fan who happens to live in New York City, are you going to go and, and, and root for, for Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson? Or are you going to go watch LeBron James and Anthony Davis, probably the best tandem in basketball right now? Like, of course, it's going to sound a little it's going to sound a little distorted on Wednesday and you know with with good reason with good reason man like LeBron James like he said many times he loves playing in the garden but I guess clearly not enough to play for the Knicks but uh at the same time you know it's been it, it, it's been a rough season for just you know anybody who goes into the Madison Square Garden to watch the Knicks game because outside of the, that first uh few weeks where you know, there were some close games and, you know, there was the big Mavericks win and a couple of other things. I mean, you're pretty much just going there to see the kids. You're going there to see how R.J. Barrett develops and how Kevin Knox is looking and Frank Nilekina and Mitchell Robinson. And the problem, though, with that, Kaz, is R.J. Barrett isn't really an attraction. While we like him and he's a good young player, he's not this high-flying dunker, this guy that makes threes. He's kind of a guy that will make a mid-range shot, occasional three, misses a lot of free throws. But he's not a guy that's like, I'm getting a ticket to see R.J. Barrett tonight. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. He's a, he's a good player. He's a good young player and a good young piece. And that's more than you could say for the Knicks in a while. But it's not like he's not John Morant. He's not Zion Williamson. And, I mean, shoot, he's not he's not even really Tyler Hero. I mean, like, not, not in a showcasing sense. I mean, R.J. Barrett's a very good, productive player. He's 
I guess, like, I think he's like top two or three in almost every rookie statistical category. So he's a very good young player and a good young piece that has potential to be a star type of player. But when you're talking about being box office and being somebody who's going to be someone who ends up on, on, on sports center, top 10 highlights, or even, on Instagram, on House of Highlights or the Sports Center accounts, like it's rare that you see it with him. Uh, but I mean, you know, as a, if you're speaking as a fan, just going to watch those games. I mean, why wouldn't you want to go and watch, you know, one of the marquee players? And you're only going to see him once a year, and you know, it's and you don't know how many times you'll get to see LeBron James play Madison Square Garden. He's no spring chicken anymore. R.J. Barrett isn't a guy that we saw a decade ago by the nickname of Stat. And a guy that's coming on the show that uh, I know we're both excited to have on because he came here when there was nothing. The Knicks were really hot garbage when Stat came here and kind of turned the franchise around. And those were fun times. We Sometimes on the show we really got to just keep reminiscing fun times because there's so many miserable times now that you got to look back at some of the glory days. And by glory days, I mean when they made the playoffs, which for for other teams might not be that glorious 2010 was big man when stack got here i know i was excited fans were coming out to games people were coming to pay the price to see him because of being a rookie of the year being an all-star being a six-time all-star and he took that deal to come here and then mellow came along and then they made three straight playoff runs they all fell short but those were really fun times when stat was here i i know you have some fun memories yeah man i remember actually being at that game uh when they played the boston celtics and uh, it was a game when Amari was just on one of the, the greatest streaks of his own career. He was in the MVP conversation. He was scoring 30 every single night. And um, even though they lost that game, it was the game where he hit like, a, I guess, a 40-footer off the glass just after the buzzer hit. Um, man, it was still rocking, man. And I remember the day that, you know, Amari said, you know, the Knicks are back. And he was a guy just coming off of, and it's an outstanding season with the Phoenix Suns. He was being talked about as being one of the best big men of the game. I mean, you got to remember, he was coming off a playoff series where he completely dominated Tim Duncan. You know what I mean? This is prime Tim Duncan in the San Antonio Spurs. So when the Knicks got Amari Stoudemire, there was a lot of reason to be optimistic. And for those first few months in that first season, I mean, we really thought, you know, that it was it was the, the, the Knicks were absolutely about to take a turn for uh, the better. But, uh, you know, things happen and, you know, and, and if you're a fan or even a free agent looking at the New York Knicks or just looking at everything that they've been through, that's one thing you could look forward to the most is that if you do well here, you are remembered forever. It doesn't matter what type of success you had. If you were if you were six man of the year, if you had a, a, a run of 12 games where we, we put sanity after your name, whether you <laughs> lead the team to the playoffs, Knicks fans will remember you. And there's worse places to be idolized in, in, the, in the NBA landscape than New York City. Yeah, and Amari came here, remember, with like, it wasn't like a star-studded team. Like, they had the precocious neophyte in uh, Landry Fields. I loved Landry Fields, by the way. Loved Landry Fields. He almost, in a weird way, he kind of reminds me of R.J. Barrett, where, like, he wasn't necessarily a guy who jumps off the page, but he was just so solid and steady and a steady shooter and made smart plays and, you know, and young. And on top of that, they also had guys who turned out to be very good NBA players, guys like Danilo Gallinari, who isn't a guy who, you know, 
casual fans may know, but he's carved out a pretty nice career for himself in the NBA for all the teams that he's played for, you know? Well, you always wonder the question, Kaz, if what if they didn't trade Danilo and they didn't trade Wilson Chandler and Moskov, that package that they did to get Melo later in that season, and there wasn't Stadamelo. Would, would this Knicks team still be as good? Would they have made the playoffs and continue to go on runs without Melo with that team? Because remember, Gallo did develop into a nice player. Mozgov developed into a nice player. Chandler had himself a nice little career and is still playing. So those guys were all respectable players. They weren't stars like Melo, but they did have nice careers. When it comes to big markets and big teams, when you have a chance to get a player the status of Carmelo Anthony, a lot of times you just kind of got to do it. You know, you look at the Los Angeles Lakers, and granted, they ended up with Anthony Davis. But a big reason why Paul, they didn't get Paul George immediately is because the Lakers didn't trade for him. And, you know, granted, you have LeBron James and you have Anthony Davis, and that can make up for a lot of things. But if they didn't get Anthony Davis in that trade, man, like that would have been a very, uh, you know, that would have been a huge mistake in the history of Lakers lore. And who knows how we look at LeBron James if he doesn't get that guy. And granted, some teams just don't have the luck that the Knicks happen to get, you know, like it's, it's rare that, you know, you have a guy like Melo and Amari on the same team and you could only imagine how good those guys would have been had Amari, you know, health didn't portray him as a, as a ball player, because when he was at his best, he was, he was a one percenter in the NBA, man. He was a guy who can absolutely do everything and dominate both ends of the court. How about this? How about you talk to Amari Stoudemire right now and we find out? Because we, he still wants to play. This guy is still trying to play, and he may be playing in Israel. We'll find out if he's interested. But, you know, this guy is still in great shape. I see him on Instagram posting these workouts, and he's in insane shape. So this should be a great conversation. Man, listen, if you look at guys like Carmelo Anthony and Dwight Howard who have found places in the NBA – you know, I'm really interesting, interested to hear what Amari has to say about these guys who are still making pretty good careers and, and carved out little niches for themselves to, uh, you know, still be productive. So who knows? Stranger things have happened, man. Stranger things have happened. I'd love to see Amari back in the NBA. But let's hear from him, the man himself. Thanks for the kudos. And today on Big Apple Buckets, we are joined by the man who in 2010 famously said the Knicks are back nba rookie of the year coming straight out of high school six-time nba all-star spent five seasons with the new york knicks ladies and gentlemen give a big warm welcome to my man amari stoudemire amari what's going on partner what's going on man it's good to hear from you bro it's good to hear from you anytime we get to see you on courtside at games or or kicking it somewhere you're always in good spirits so it's, it's great to have you on the show i know super bowl week is coming up you're in miami right now you caught the heat game last night what do you got going on for super bowl week down in miami with the i guess with the wall street journal for playmakers so i'm doing i'm doing this symposium with uh with Dow Jones and Wall Street Journal. What we're doing is that we're speaking more so about entrepreneurship and what's that, you know, how's that look? What does that mean? Uh, how can, how can, you know, uh, people get involved? Uh, how can they become better businessmen or women? Uh, and so that's what this symposium is going to be based on. Stoudemire Wines starting to drop out. Well, tell me a little bit about Stoudemire Wines and everything you've been working with that. Yeah, Stoudemire Wines is a, uh, it's a, it's a very, it's beginning to become very known in the wine industry. Uh, we have, started in 2015, a winery out of Israel. It's a kosher wine, but it tastes like a wine out of Bordeaux or something. I mean, it's a really good wine. And that's the reason why it's doing so well, because it tastes great. Um, and so, yeah, man, we have three bottles right now. We have the private collection, the Grand Reserve, and the Reserve. 
and now now we're creating a lower price scale bottle for the more uh, accessible uh, crowd. Now, Amari, I gotta ask you: Is this wine bath ready? Like, should I should I bathe in it? Am I allowed to 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 soak myself up in it, or should I drink it more? What's what's, what's the better use for it? Yeah, no, you want to drink this one, man. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna feel great afterwards, and it's gonna be a nice. It's gonna be a nice glass for you, man, in the evening time. So you wanna you wanna definitely drink this one. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's talk some hoops, man. I know uh the last time we saw you, um, you were in the big three. I know you're playing a little bit overseas, but you know, as for all the success that you've had in Phoenix, so many people remember you for your success with the New York Knicks, as however brief it might have been before the injuries really took over, you were very influential to turning the Knicks around in 2010. Tell me a little bit about the mindset you put yourself into to say, you know what, I'm going to take the challenge of going to New York City, going to the big city, and turning this legendary franchise around and putting it on my back. What was your mindset going into signing that deal in 2010? Well, my, my mindset first was to just be able to to be the MVP caliber player the team needed me to be. That was the first mindset, to train high level all season, get myself mentally ready to prepare for the season, and to be able to help my teammates improve so that we can somewhat be a, a team to be reckoned with. And then my second my second objective was to bring another superstar player uh, to New York, uh, to the Knicks franchise, in order to continue to build what what I started. Um, and so that those are my those are my thoughts going into that season. Now, obviously, I mean, you, you accomplished both of those. That first half of the season, you were 1,000% in the MVP conversation. And eventually, you helped, were instrumental and bringing Carmelo Anthony over to the New York Knicks, or at least influencing that trade to the to the to the New York Knicks. Now, with hindsight being twenty twenty, what was your thoughts on the moves that it took to bring Melo and bring that second star over to you uh, to New York City? Would you have done it any better? Would you have uh, preferred it to be under different circumstances? As somebody who was right in the middle of that, how do you look at that trade now? Uh, about 10 years later? Well, it's, it's, ne- it's never easy when your teammates are leaving. You know, I, I have built a great relationship and friendship with Wilson Chandler, Gallinari, Raymond Felton, Timothy Mosgolf. All those guys became, like, my, my protégés. And I was actually, uh, I was loved being, you know, instrumental into their, with their development. Um, so it's tough to see them go. And with, with Carmelo coming in, obviously he's a, he's a Hall of Fame player. And to have him with us, uh, was 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 massive, but I, I I truly think looking back, if we could have acquired him in the off season and kept those players, then we would have been a much better team. Now, I mean, just the way the league ended up turning out, I mean, you know, just with the small ball fours and you becoming more of a stretch five as well as being a dominant inside presence. Um, do you think? Just playing together, do you think it kind of like complemented each other well? Because after a while, it kind of seemed like you guys are playing the same position and both kind of being scoring power forwards. Uh, did that kind of cause any sort of friction, or was it just a little bit difficult to work that around? How was that playing together as teammates? No, we were fine. I think I think Melo did not want to play power forward. He wanted to play the small forward. And I think Coach D'Antoni wanted him to use his advantages at the power forward positioning. Um, and so I was the power forward, and then Melo played the three. But we were able to somewhat complement each other, uh, uh, you know, for, for spurts there during, during those seasons. Amari, how tough was it mentally for you dealing with those injuries with the Knicks? After that first year where you dominated and led the Knicks to the playoffs, you dealt with injuries from years two through five. 
How tough was that on you mentally? Yeah, you know, it was kind of frustrating, man, because I knew what I wanted to accomplish uh, with the Knicks. And part of it, was, part of that was, you know, I was, my injuries were unpredictable. So I wanted to make sure I brought somebody in that if I did get injured, that the team wouldn't, uh, you know, somewhat suffer from it. Um, and that was one of the reasons why I wanted to bring another player in also. But, yeah, I mean, it was definitely a little frustrating for me because I knew I could have, you know, contributed a lot more. Uh, despite the numbers, the numbers were solid, but I, I knew I could have did more for sure. How difficult, Amari, was the end of your Knicks tenure? Things were changing. The team was losing. You were banged up. You get sent to Dallas. How tough was the end of that run with the Knicks? Well, you know, everything was everything was changing. The, the organization was changing. We hired new GMs, new coaches, uh, new situations. It was like the energy was changing. Uh, the the cohesiveness had, was changing. As far as before, everyone was on the same page. We had a, we had a solid idea and a system on what we we're trying to deal with. Uh, and then once that changed, it began to get very frustrating because guys was not on the same page. The uh, the management wasn't on the same page, um, and it was beginning to get frustrated. So that was one of the reasons why I decided to to go elsewhere. Amari, what do you think about the current front office situation? James Dolan and Steve Mills receive a lot of criticism. The Knicks are losing a lot of games. Where do you see the front office at now versus when you played under them? Uh, right now, I haven't really been totally involved. I mean, I trained with them the offseason last last summer. I was able to to, to sit down and, you know, meet with, with Steve Mills and the crew. Um, and I think Dolan is definitely trying to figure out the best way to win. Uh, obviously, it's, it's tough for him because he's not a basketball guy. Like, he didn't play basketball. Um, so it's tough for him to, to try to find the right – uh, management to to run the team, but I do think um, that there's hopefully light at the end of the tunnel if they continue to try to try to build and and players you know somewhat sign there for you know for for their career. You've made it no secret that you absolutely want a, another shot at the NBA if they came calling. Um, would you still answer the call to any team that would come uh, offer you a spot or would it have to be a right situation for you to come and uh, get another shot in the NBA? No, I would No, I think I would, I would still answer the call, to, you know, regardless of which team it is. Uh, I'm pretty surprised that I haven't got a call now because I'm sure I can make a 12-man roster um, in the NBA. But apparently for some reason it's not happening. Um, so, but there's other offers. I mean, there's, there's offers on, over in Europe. There's offers in, in China uh, where I can still play at a high level. So, uh, thank God that I'm able to still keep health at this age and still be able to keep myself in top shape to where I can still play um, at a high level. Amari, there's a rumor that Maccabi Tel Aviv is interested in signing you. Is there any uh, truth to that? Uh, yeah, I read those articles and I saw that, and I think. Uh, they are probably one of the teams that are reaching out. And, um, so uh, we will see what happens. Um, hopefully it works out for the best, but we'll see. Now, Amari, I mean, you're, you're, you're an OG now, and, you know, you're one of the guys who were, you know, some of the stars that came fresh out of high school that kind of made it in vogue to not necessarily struggle. I mean, I remember a lot of guys outside of, like, Moses Malone and LeBron James before that when, who came out of the league came straight to the league out of high school and completely dominated. I'd love to get your thoughts on uh, the the new ruling in the NCAA and possibly abolishing this one-and-done rule and returning back to the days where you could enter the NBA out of high school. And 
if you think the G League is a possibility of, of, of some of these high schools that aren't necessarily quite ready for the NBA being an option for them? Yeah, I think so. I think the G League uh, is an option depending on the salary uh, that's been given out uh, and then the magnitude of the exposure that they can get from playing the G League. Uh, college basketball, obviously, you have these national televised games. You get a lot of hype um, in college, which is cool. But to go to college and not really get any stipend from being there and also, um, you know, having the, the chance of getting injured kind of can somewhat hinder your NBA career. Uh, it's, it's, it's a tough it's a tough deal to, to, to get involved with. Um, a lot of players are thinking about going overseas for that one for that year uh, and for the NBA to now somewhat have talks about, you know, demolishing the one-and-done rule, I think that'll be smart. You just have to be more strategic about how players have been developed and for owners and, and, and GMs to have more of a strategy on how to draft guys depending on the mental uh, situations. But I definitely think it should be that the one-and-done rule should be uh, abolished. Now, I mean, tomorrow night, the big debut of uh, Zion Williamson for the NBA stage uh, a lot of people have compared his game to yours as far as explosiveness and being the guy who just puts people on posters. What are your thoughts on Zion Williamson, and what can you expect from him in his debut game in the NBA? I think Zion and I has a similar attitude when it comes to, like, attacking the rim. You know, and that's something that you can't find very often. I mean, we haven't really seen a lot of players in recent history that attack the rim the way we do. Um, but I do think... Um, he has he has a solid career ahead of him. I, I feel that he he probably needs to just kind of keep himself in top shape, meaning trim down a few pounds. Like if he trims down 15 or so, that way he can have a long longevity career. Because I'm a firm believer of, you know, the less the less you know weight you have, you know, the 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 longer your career could be because you protect your joints. Um, and so I would say for him, if he continues to keep himself in top shape. Um, that he'll be okay. And lastly, I mean, the, the Jewish religion has become uh, so important to, to your life and just kind of spreading awareness of, of, of your Judaism and your, and your devout faith. Um, when exactly did you really embrace that and uh, make it a big part of your life? Well, when I, when, I was, when I was actually young, my mother told me we were from like the children of Israel. And I didn't really know what that meant, but she was, she was just kind of teaching us at that time. And so as I got a little bit older, I started researching myself. I started reading the Bible. I said, well, Jesus is a Jew, so it sounds about right. This guy has bronze, bronze, burnt bronze skin and, and hair like wool, looks like me. So I was like, well, maybe maybe that's maybe my mother's onto something. And so I started to do some research and studying myself. And then not until I was 21 or so, when I started to somewhat take uh, Judaism or the, or the laws of Moses uh, seriously. Now, Amari, man, it's always great talking to you. It's great to hear that you're in great spirits. And somebody give this guy a call, man. After the trade deadline, after the buyout deadline, this guy could help your team. I've seen him. He's still got it, man. Amari Stoudemire, thank you for coming for Big Apple Buckets, bro. Enjoy the rest of your day. Hopefully, I see you in Miami, bro. No problem, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. And as always, man, we got my guy, the legend, the longtime New York Knicks beat writer for the New York Post, coming to you live from the city of Cleveland, Ohio, my man, Mark Berman. How you doing, partner? Hey, doing uh, great, guys. Trying to survive uh, another rough season. I don't know if there's worse places to be than Cleveland, Ohio, but we're going to try and make <laughs> this work for you, right, pal? <laughs> yeah, weather hasn't been ideal either, but 
At least there was a victory that came out of it. At least we got it though. Let's talk about that win last night. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people have been worried about the youth getting a lot of minutes, but yesterday the Knicks went with the veteran heavy lineup and it resulted in a rare uh, blowout win with the Knicks. Now they are slowly creeping into a possible playoff chase for the eighth spot. There's six games out. They can take a good week or two and possibly catch that eighth spot. What did you see yesterday that can give any Knicks fan some sort of hope to see that this can actually possibly, possibly be a playoff race come springtime? Well, the major key was defense. Uh, Miller had started off in such a fine way, putting a structure back to the defense, consistency, getting consecutive stops. And I know Cleveland had an awful game. They were coming off a six-game Western trip and had no legs. But it was two straight games for the Knicks where their defense was outstanding. Uh, They held Philadelphia to 90 points. And then Cleveland shoots 34%. They had like 64 points going into the fourth quarter. uh, It's all really about the defense. If they could be consistent. When they were on that West Coast trip, and when 0-4, they were giving up 124 points a game. So I think they've refocused. Again, Miller is a better defensive coach than Fisdale. He had more consistent principles. They stopped switching as much. You know, Mitchell Robinson only scored two points, and he's, you know, being limited offensively right now. But on the defensive end, he was a real uh, stopper in the lane, and even Coach Beeline credited him for – a disrupt being a disruptor he had four blocks uh, you know Kevin Knox five points but on the defensive end Miller credited him for just being a hustler on the defensive end playing smart defensive basketball so if the defense can listen they're not a good offensive team they're not very talented Randall and Matt Morris look good together for a change on the court but if they could be a sustainable defensive team Maybe we could have some fun with this team in February and March. Well, let's hope so, man. I know, I know I'm counting on it. Uh, now, Mark, you, you mentioned that West Coast swing that the Knicks were on uh, right when Mike Miller started becoming the head coach of the Knicks. And speaking of West Coast, the Los Angeles Lakers will be in town uh, tomorrow at the Garden. LeBron's on the MSG in center stage, one of his favorite places to play. And the only thing I want to ask you is, can the Knicks compete in this game, and how do they, especially with the Los Angeles Lakers coming off that Celtics loss and Anthony Davis starting to round back into form after coming off that injury against the Knicks last time that they played? Yeah, Davis came back against the Celtics, was obviously rusty, got into foul trouble. But the Knicks, the key is for Marcus Morris to play. He sprained his ankle in the uh, Cleveland game and was limping out of the locker room and did not give a guarantee he'd be ready. And they didn't have him for the first Lakers game, which turned into a blowout. So Morris is their best player. And if they don't have him, it's going to be very, very tough. Uh, I think he's going to try to play through it. But, you know, you never know. So, listen, LeBron and AD, the Lakers were playing great, but that's a wake-up call in Boston. So they're going to really turn up the gears. LeBron loves the Garden. He's already said it's his favorite road arena to play in, and he always wants to shine. So it's going to be a tough one. When I'm writing 
to the paper is, you know, AD, when everyone, uh, listen, everyone thinks he's definitely resigning, and I do think he will too. But maybe it will be a short-term deal. Maybe he'll sign a two-year deal with a one-year opt-out. So maybe the Knicks fans could give him a nice warm welcome when he comes to the Garden for the only time this season. The trade deadline is just two weeks away. And I just need to know, you know, Marcus Morris has probably garnered the most attention out of any current Nick. What is the smart move right now? Should the Knicks be in sell mode? Should they still hold on to Morris and make him be part of the solution and not, you know, try and find the solution out there? What do you think is the best play for the New York Knicks coming up with this trade deadline? Well, you know, before you mentioned that, you know, the playoffs are still not a complete 0% chance. So I think the Knicks at least have a little time, not much time, but till February 6th to see how they're playing. I know they'd so love to be in a playoff race. They so don't want to tank again like last year. This is a very iffy lottery. Uh, I think if they continue to struggle, though, into February 6th, they'll definitely be trying to move guys. But there's some extraneous guys that you don't care about right now. Is Alonzo Trier playing? And is he in the future? Of course not. He's not even playing now, let alone, you know, he's a free agent. So, I mean, they're going to try to maybe get some value with him and Ellington, same way he's not playing. The key is Morris and Randall. Like, there's a theory now, you know, the Knicks have gotten some calls about Randall, even though he's signed for two years with a third-year option. Is this the player? The Knicks, I'm told, don't look at Randall as a number one guy. And he's not being paid max money, so he's movable. But if you trade Randall, then maybe you keep Morris and look to sign him for Randall money this summer. Maybe you want to go forward with Morris, but he's 30 years old. Randall is 25, 26, but there's a lot of holes. He's not a defender. He's a turnover machine at times. It's such a tough call. They really feel they need to get a better grasp of how good some of these veterans they signed are and they have till february 6th to figure it out well it's going to be a a long way to the trade deadline especially with uh randall and morris influx and the knicks not necessarily being completely completely out of the playoff race yet mark i know you gotta go cleveland is, i know you could get out of cleveland as fast as you can <laughs> and get back to new york city so uh it's always great talking to you on big apple buckets man thank you so much all right Cass. thanks so much i'll speak to you next time it's going crazy <laughs> here they are the new york and that's a wrap for this week's episode of big apple buckets with the new york post Thank you to our producer, Jake Brown, for making it happen each and every week. And subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. Give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Kazim, that's K-A-Z-E-E-M. And you can find more Knicks news by signing up for our daily NY Post sports newsletter and by visiting nypost.com. We will be back next Tuesday. See you then.